Hello, and welcome to Tamagindas. And this time it's a series with a difference as we take a tour of some of the wonderful Thaltons around the Isle of Man. And we're going to call this H. We are going to call it Thalton Wanderers. So over the course of the next three weeks, we are going to visit some of these little gems which are dotted all around the island. And I think this is a great pastime for anyone. It is. If you go out walking, if you enjoy the great Manx countryside, some fresh air, you will not have failed to see at some stage or other a building, an old barn, an old farmstead, something in a form of decay. You take a look at it and you can tell people have lived there. Well, let's start then at our first Thalton location with a conversation we were having about how many of these little places there are over here. I think anyone who's walked on the island, you know, go out for a ramble or something, you don't have to go that far, do you, before you'll almost always bump into some sort of ruined or deserted building. And if you're anything like us, and we like to think a few of you are, but who knows, then you start thinking about, well, who lived there then? You know, what, what stories does this building hold? Why was it abandoned? And that's the one that always gets me, is this whole thing about why did someone at some stage close the door and never come back? And that's the thing. I think you get a real sense of this and, and buildings around the Isle of Man that, like, as you say, they were so full of life. There were families that lived there. They worked the land. And then one day that front door was closed and they never went back. And the sad reality is that as, as much as we have so many of these around the Isle of Man is that increasingly they are in really poor states of repair. And it's a real worry that we're going to lose them. And I wonder if maybe we haven't realised just how vital these are as part of our, our natural history and heritage. It's true. And I think um, we've come out today. Well, you better tell people where we are. Well, we're in Thalty Will, and we're with somebody who knows a lot more about Thaltons than we do. And uh, Ray Kelly has actually written three volumes of books on Manx Thaltons. And uh, we are delighted that Ray agreed to uh, pop out with us to, to one of your favourites. Is it fair to say, Ray, this one? Yeah, I love this one, Beth, because it's easy to get to and it's got such a stunning view out over the horizon. You've got Scotland down that side, Thaltons on the hillside here, Thaltons in the trees there, Thaltons over here. And uh, he could be in another place. So where did your interest in Thaltons come from then? My original interest came from a guy called Mike Goldie. And uh, he, many years ago, did a book called The Manx Crofter, or something like that. And we, he and he were always going to update it. But he unfortunately died or became ill, so we couldn't do it. So I took over what he had done and just added to it, really. So that was where my interest came. And I've been doing it for about 30 years, I suppose. And one of the things H and I were just saying is that the sad reality is so many of them are literally crumbling away. Absolutely, yeah. There's only one I know that's protected, and there's a place called uh, the Dew up in Balaf, and that has one of the Thaltons which is actually capped and will be preserved, but the rest of them, like this one behind us, half the wall has fell out this winter. Across the valley there is that one's called the Creggans. Its wall fell out last year, as you can see the side's gone. So there'll be a pile of stones eventually in, in the future and there's so much other stuff we waste money on this is the one in thought will then yeah. which would have been a, a bustling place we'll talk a little bit about um where we're standing at the moment but do we know anything about the people yeah, who yeah, lived here this is not the original faulty will farm it's further up but there's nothing of it left and most of these farms were inhabited by quails originally they came to the alaman in the late 1700s 
And the story I've got from the museum is that they got shipwrecked off Derby somewhere. And they just swore as brothers that if they ever survived, they'd get as far away from the sea as they could, which is why they came up here. That's, that's the story. So you'll find most of these stones were inhabited by quails of one way or another over the years. Like That's the story. This one was probably inhabited up until the, between the First and Second World War. Like most of these ruins, they became abandoned when people could get easier work in the towns. They'd leave here and say to their parents, we'll be back. But they never came back. Mm. They got married and stayed in the town. Of course, the old people got old. Couldn't look after the places, and I was saying to Howard before some of these places, like they just got up one morning, said too old, locked the door, oh. and left them. And that's the that's the crazy thing, isn't it? What you were pondering about before this idea that you could, at some stage, you can't imagine doing it in your own home, can you? Just thinking, that's it, I'm off, yeah. close the door, and never go back, and never go back. Uh, no. Over there, across the valley, is a place called Balamin, and I was saying it was one of the first ones I went to it was about 25 years ago. Those coats hanging on the back of the door, pots and stuff in in the kitchen. And, oh. Um, all the stuff they couldn't take, they'd left. And there's one up in uh, Glen Mushin, which if you're going to do another one, it's a great one to do. It's a round table down to Glen May, there's lots on there. And there's two up there, and they used to keep a light for each other's house, and if the light went out, one would go and see what was wrong with the other one. Well, the light went out in this place one day, so the fellow went from next door to over there. And it was dead quiet, there's nobody about, there's nothing on it. When he went in the house, there was a little note on the table just said, gone to America. <laughs> That seems almost incredible, doesn't it? I mean, literally a different lifetime ago. But, I mean, we're not talking actually realistically no, no, very long no, ago. No, it's not a thousand years ago. It's not caveman stuff, no. like, you know. There's pictures of um, the one along the road there. Just over here, you see that one over there? That, okay, yeah. That's called Slough Manic. It was supposed to be originally a home of some monks. Myerscoff monks came over here, and we're up in that particular part. If you go up a bit further up there, there's a Block Erie Dam, and further up there's Block Erie Thalton at the top of the dam head. Mm-hmm as well. You could spend days up here. Oh, do you know, it's just fascinating. So we're standing in, I presume, what would have been the, the front garden. garden. Yeah, yeah. So we've got some thorn trees behind, which I've just learned, um, was where they used to hang their washing. On the hawthorn? Yeah. yeah. Is that right? Yeah. 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 They, well, we don't know pegs or washing line, you see, so this would hold it. They'd be a lot lower to put their pots and pans and the washing on the line. It'd be perfect. And this, to me, is one of the best, better ones because there's a lovely aspect. And all these ruins without the trees were always in view of each other. You know, there was a problem. Yeah. They would always be here. Were, like, in this Haiti, there'd be three or 400 people living up here. See, that's the thing. At the moment, you get a real sense of isolation. But it's really interesting thinking about back then. You wouldn't have felt that. No. You'd have felt part of a, a community you almost. Would have been, like, down the village, there was a, there was a pub, a church, there's a school. And um, all the things that you needed were here, really. And they never went far. What happened? They would marry somebody next door build up a little house, then they'd get married to somebody else, so they'd move on. The last people to live up here lived in Killebrega, which is just around the corner and those trees there. Right. And they moved down. At the bottom of Thalty Will there's a, a house by a cattle grid. They worked down from there, and he was 85, and this guy used to walk up that road every day to feed his hens. And there's some little quirks, like we always found in a garden the grinding wheel for sharpening things. I know it seems crazy, but... Having a sharp tool when it was a manual was such an important part of life. And we always found them at the bottom of the garden. They were never near the house, like, and I couldn't work this out. And he says, well, simple, she said. These would be thatched and they'd be sparks. Oh, oh of course. Gosh. So everything was done for a purpose. And when they built these things, there was always water, right. shelter and fuel. Those were the only three things they were worried about. And this one here has got a water wheel. I had a water wheel, which is quite rare. The little thing about all these up here, there's 12 of them. Okay, 12 or 15, they all had their own threshing mill. 
Okay, a horse mill. Horse worked around a circle and operated right. machinery. Now these horse mills were 130 pounds in 1860, 1870. How did they get it here? So that's it. Well, these places weren't worth any money. So where did they get the money to buy the horse mill? You've got your shorts on again. I've always got my shorts on, as it were. So we're standing just below the Thalton here, the roof. Roof's long gone. Well, do you know, this gable end here, as we're standing uh, looking at the, the left-hand side, as we're looking at it, that actually only came down in the last winter, which is such a shame. You can see it just lying uh, to the side there. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, yeah, so up until this time last year, this was almost intact bar the roof, but um, Ray's just gone inside for us to trample down the nettles, so oh. uh, let's go and have a look in. After you. You can trample down the nettles. Oh, thanks a lot. If you lie down, I can just roll you over the top of them. You're really rude sometimes, do you know that? I do know that. Right. Confucius, he say, never walk through nettles in shorts. Oh, ow. No, it's OK. Not too bad. Beth, very sensibly, came in her jeans. Most of these, people always think the roofs fell off them because they rotted away. But in fact, what they used to do is sell the roofs because the roofs are more valuable than anything else. So you'll never find or rarely find any roof tiles. So they didn't actually rot away. They just took the roof off them. And of course, then these, most of these are built, this is not so bad, but quite often were built with two lots of stone and soil in the middle. And when the rain gets down, the wash there's a soil out and the stones are split. But this is relatively modern because they're like it's cement and rendered. So would this have been thatched at one point then and then? Probably not. I mean, you usually can tell with thatching because they've got little yeah, the, stones stick out yeah. the ends. Like um, it, They may have been, but more than likely this would have been tiled because it's a fairly modern house, because this would replace the one that has gone further up. Double floor, fireplace in each room, seems a bit extreme, but it would be bitterly oh, cold be... up here. Yeah, I can imagine. You imagine that there were never trees up here, like it would just be barren. And, um, you couldn't really farm this tractor because it's too steep, but they could do it with a horse, which is what they did. This was about 60 or 70 acres, this place, in size, which was quite substantial. So how many rooms do you reckon there would have been then? There um, was a traditional Manx house. You come in here. Yep. Stairs would be in front of you. You go up the stairs to there. There'll be a landing. Be a room there, room there, room here, room there. Number four, probably, and a landing. A little outhouse somewhere, there maybe? There would be, be a toilet somewhere. Five eggs, it's called. Mm. A tie of egg. And you were mentioning the uh, Hawthorne out there, Beth. And, yeah. and I, come, I came at the end of a story about washing today at some stage or other. What was that? I was just picking up on the end of you were talking about. Well, it's a story that really Ray came up with, I guess. I think it's fair to say when he was standing here because there's a, a washing pot, is it? Yeah, oh, I don't know if we would be able to see that. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. Right in the corner there, yeah. surrounded by nettles. Yeah, yeah, that was it. So that, that, when we came at I got this idea about a woman who was um, washing clothes to make it because her husband had died and there was no national assistance or social security those days. You had to make a living. So she actually started washing clothes to make a living and she had the dibbler to go in the yeah, yeah. bowl. It broke. So she had to go and find something to make do. So she went and got a gauze stick out of the hedge here and used that and the clothes to ultra white. And she became the washerwoman of the Thaltyville area because her clothes were the best. She never let the secret go. She always kept it to herself. But there is a bit of truth because in the roots of course there is like a starch, a white starch, which will actually do that job. 
I'll have to try that when I get home. I was going to say, yeah, get rid of your own. Thank you. <laughs> That's the thing, Ray. I think in your uh, Tholton volumes, there are stories which almost will become folklore oh, yeah. and people really will get a sense of maybe that is what happened. And maybe that's what they what I've got is somebody else's story, you know, because none of the books I've got are what I call historical accuracy, you know, they're just what I've been told or found out or worked out. Nothing's really been substantiated. Yes, yeah. that's yeah. the word. And yeah. I got told off a few times by not doing that. I said, well, you do your own book. I don't want to do that. I want to do it the way I want to do it. And that's a great thing, isn't it? I think because so many of these are on public land, you can walk up to them. You can sort of make up your own stories, can't you? Because you do wonder how many people have stood where we are just in front of the front door here and, you know, they'll have had Christmases here and birthdays and sad occasions and they'll have just lived their lives and you will never know exactly what happened. But having had families ourselves, we know some of what may have gone on in these four walls. Well, and also they would never have been on their own. I know we think it is, but... There'll be people in and out of everybody's house every day. You know, births would be done at home. You wouldn't be going to the hospital to be carried out here. They didn't have doctors, they'd have herbalists. And they'd, there'd be some around here, there'd be somebody who specialised in the herb they grew here. And they would, that would be what would fix you. It would be the doctor or the nurses. Like. And it'd be hard life, you know, it would be nothing easy. Everything was carted here and out like. And that's the thing, I think. You do look at some of these places and we're here on a lovely summer's day, you know, light breeze, it's quite warm, yeah. blue sky, and you think, wow, wouldn't this be lovely? But yes. then you think going through the winter in this sort of spot where there wouldn't have been sort of electricity, you wouldn't have had the old mod cons, it would have been a tough old life. You wouldn't have survived, Beth. Uh, speak for yourself. I'm tougher than I look. All right. I think she probably is. <laughs> yes, she is. That one across there, that Slimanic, that didn't even have glass in the windows. They used to just put a sack over the window through the wintertime. So the ones across the way there, because we were pondering about this before, obviously the one we're on here is, is, is on Ramblage, people can come. Quite a few of them, I suppose, now are technically on, on private land. Yeah, they, a lot of them are, but most of Thalty will, because it's government-owned, because the reservoir situation, they are Ramblage. So with a bit of sense and care and avoid lambing time, they're probably free to roam uh, without you causing any distress. There are one or two, like this one across the valley, Craigans, that is in private ownership these days front of us here so we're in the, in the house they would have had a cattle shed is it down there and then the, the mill just to the left of it should we have a wander out there okay after you go on, you. you go and flatten the little space the door thanks okay we'll do after you right <laughs> yeah we'll leave the uh, nettles to their reverie and it is incredible the entire center of the building now so we're stood in the, in the living room i guess or maybe by the kitchen and it's just a whole bed of nettles. Nice to see some ladybirds on some of them. Uh, and then there is a decorative hawthorn in the corner which has sprung up and some ferns coming out of the walls. Uh, and some, yeah, but quite pretty actually, the way the ferns cling onto the walls and pop out of little cracks here and there. But two hawthorns, you almost would think they'd been put there deliberately. I <laughs> don't think they were, but they're nicely in the corner. So let's head out and see where they've got to. So we'll go back out through the... Ow! Arch again, through the main door. And uh, I've lost them already, that was quick. Gone round the corner, have they? Down that way. Well, let's go down. Right, we'll follow them down. They've gone down to one of the outbuildings. So, can't have gone that far. So where are we now, Beth? Well, we are exploring what would have been the animal quarters. Is that right, Ray? We call yeah? this a haggard. A what? Haggard. A haggard, depending on your manx way. Yeah. They would build the stacks here for the oats and stuff for the wintertime. 
And they put them here, you see, because in here, this is the thrashing barn, where the wheel was there. Yeah, so that would have been on the far side yeah. of that, that wall. The spinny, yeah. is it? Yeah, yeah, just here. And the water came down from that stream there, drove the w- wheel, and they would have carted the oats in from here in a little thing called sheaves, which is like small bundles of oats, thrashed them in here on this machine, and then the oats would have dropped down inside into a loose stuff. They'd have stored it back in the loft for the wintertime, and the oats would have been kept for feeding the horses. So they really were self-contained, totally. weren't they? They didn't go to Tesco's. Well, no, that never happened. I mean, they've got a garden there with to grow everything they wanted in it. No greenhouses. And water would be something they carry in a bucket. You know, there wouldn't be anything else. The water would be from the stream. This one here, here would be like. And they quite often did it like this, where they built the back half of the shed, or built it into the ground, right. saved them lifting up. So oh, the effort okay. was less, you know. It was easier to chuck stuff down than to chuck it up. And yeah. you can still see in the, in the cattle shed, H, you can still see the, the individual... Little slates. slates where the mm-hmm. cattle would have stood. Do you want to go and see? Oh, right, yeah. Little so the little stall. stalls. Right, so just so be careful are, here. Those are the cattle stalls. Watch yourself. Aha, uh-huh. okay, yes. The wall's just clambering over the top here. Because uh, Ray's just down in front of us. And Beth just picks her way down. Elegantly. Oh, uh, well. To say elegantly. Beautifully elegantly. Thank beautifully you. elegant. It's like a ballet. Here you go. So here are the stalls. Ah. And you can see just underneath this grass here. There's like a little trough. That's where the food would have gone. Ah, right. And you can see these holes. So there would have been a metal rod that came in those holes there and with a chain attached to it so the cow would have been able to stand up or sit down. Not much freedom for no, it. No, they were put to be put in here in October. They stay until April. Oh, my Tied goodness. by the neck. But they, they would be fine. Is what it is, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. They'd be fed. The, the water would, or their food would be in front of them. Their muck would be behind them. They'd be caught outside, spread in the field in the wintertime. Everything's done by hand, or horses, basically. This is quite a, a modern layout because all the units are connected. Right. You know, you can go from one to actually going outside. But you see the wall, there's nothing holding it together. It's just stone. Every one of those stones is placed by a hand and quite down the hillside. You know, there are no JCBs. No, exactly. I don't think they may have dynamite, I don't know, but mostly be pick. Mm. Somewhere around here will be a hole in the ground because what you know, the quarry was always above. So they cut the stone down, never up. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Very clever. Think about it. Yeah. Everything had to be done yeah. for yeah. function. There was no such thing as... No luxury. No luxury. No. Yeah, so do we know when this farm was last used or when it was it last... It was in the 40s. 40s. Yeah, and um, it was used as a sheep farm up until the 70s, really, but only part of a sheep before they planted all the trees around here. So that was his last time. But the quails were the ones who were in it, as were in most of these places along the way. That's why you want to know more about them now, don't you? I suppose, Ray, I mean, clearly such an interest which has spanned decades for you, but a real sense of sadness in the fact that they are just crumbling away and soon. because, like you said, I've been doing this for a long time. Some of these places, when I, they're totally intact, and now, like, we're going back, they're just like this with piles of stones. And I think, really, you, people want to see them. They've got to see them and photograph them themselves. That's mm. the only thing we're going to have records of. Oh, maybe my books, too, there'll be records. Because mm. in the books, I think it's 140 Thaltons. Well, 22 now don't exist. Oh, my goodness. So I couldn't go back and do the books anymore because they're not there yeah. now. They're flattened or gone or disappeared. So have you got a, a history background anyway? Is it something that you're, you're interested in? I'm a in? farmer's son by trade. And uh, my farm used to farm in St Mark. So my father used to quite often do these sort of things, take us out like as kids. And as you're a kid, you think, I'd rather climb a tree. 
<laughs> What's funny about these old buildings, Dad? I don't understand why we're coming here. We've got one at home like this. Well, you need to learn, son. So I wasn't interested when I should have been because all the people who knew about these places, he knew. They were there. They yeah. were there and I didn't want to talk to him. I wanted to go and play. It's funny, isn't it? We, all, we often say that, don't we? We just wish that you could turn time back and just realise how important yeah, those conversations would have been. Absolutely, because they never wrote them down, you see, and when they were sitting having tea and talking about this, there'd be Auntie Molly here and Uncle Dick there, and I think, I know these people are dead, they've nothing to do with me. Now yeah. I wish I'd paid attention, I'm sure you're the same. Yeah. It's always the way, I think, yes. I've, I've got, uh, I just think I've got, like, I never met either of my grandfathers, so I never heard of them. I did get a little bit of my nana, and she looked a little bit on tape when home recording was just coming in. You right. know, and, and you think, again, you don't have to go that far back and unlike now where you can just have your phone and record anything and everyone records everything pretty much yeah. you know 40 50 years ago that wasn't quite as easy yeah, so yeah. if you had people you know loved ones you, their voices won't be recorded in the same way they are now i mean you think when you're long gone beth there'd be hours and hours of stuff for people to listen and think ah oh, that was beth but i mean in you know 50 years ago it wouldn't have been the case no. well, some of them wouldn't have talked are they you know they just climb up as soon as you show some of these they just yeah, stop talking exactly yeah. they wouldn't do exactly. it like. what else would you like to know I just want to know everything. I want to know everything. <laughs> the good thing, I suppose, Ray, is certainly from what we found, is there is a real appetite that people have in seeing this history Absolutely. all around them. And, and I suppose lockdown actually was one of the, the key things yeah, for yeah. that. Once you could get out for a yeah, walk, yeah, right. something to do. Yeah, yeah, you, you could come to these places. Quite often I'd be out and about. I would bump into something where usually I would never have seen anybody, but this last month, three or four months, yeah, this place especially. It's been like Strand Street. <laughs> and we were mentioning before, because I used to come up here, and I was chatting to Ray as we were walking up here, and uh, we used to go camping with some friends up on the uh, Sorby Claddock. And one place I mentioned which you'd heard of as well was the uh, the Cluggett Pot, as uh, as Kenors used to call it, which is sort of uh, not far from here, realistically, I suppose, in, in as the crow flies, and uh, was a beautiful sort of little waterfall and a yeah. uh, little sort of stone pool. It's just over the hill on the next valley, and it is what you it is called the Cluggett Pot. The water comes cascading down into a pot, and it's deep and smooth, really good, but unfortunately it's on probably. Mm, that's the thing, isn't yeah, it? it is. So we've got um, a few weeks to do these walks around Thalton's Ray. Yeah. What are the ones that we really need to make sure that we see? Right, I'll, can I come back to you with that one? Yeah. With an answer? Because yeah. there's quite a few. What would be nice, wouldn't it, to have a little little hit list, maybe of a few we could do in this little series? Yeah. Just give a flavour of the... How many were you reckoning Thalton's still existing? Um, well, in the three books I've done, there's 140 I've done. And I've got 60 I never did, so there's 200 that I know oh, right. of. But there'll be more, because they knock the trees down now, you'll see more and more come yeah, available, yeah. like anything in the trees is fair game. So is there a volume four in this then? No, there isn't. <laughs> um, I've thought about it, but I don't think so. I may put one where I, like a, like a Neves had this idea, but like a footpath guide, so put them all in a smaller book. And especially, you know, more people are going to be doing staycations this year, um, unless anyone's venturing off to Guernsey. So it's a, just a... An idea of stuff to do during the, the summer holidays, get the kids out and, you know, get them to see something which they won't appreciate now, but may do in years to yeah. come. Well, it's so, only you should say because my son popped down his mom with his girlfriend. He said, we went camping last night. I said, oh, did you? Oh, where'd you go? We said we went to Thalty Will. So we was up here because <laughs> no me way. and Neve came up here about five years ago and uh, we were camping here <laughs> and uh, it was a really still night and uh, a bat hit the side of the tent with a light in the tent. And this thing looked like a vampire, and it just crawled down. It went <laughs> down the side of the tent. Didn't sleep all night. <laughs> and I see, he said, I said, why have you come up here? He said, because it's a nice spot. So you wow. do inspire kids, yeah. but if you try to make them do yeah. it, it's not No, it's not. Yeah. No use. Yeah. No use yeah. at all. It's got to be in their own time scale. Right? 
So perhaps, if you speak nicely to Ray, we can encourage him to give us a little hit list of a few we could do over the next few weeks. That would be great. I mean, and if Ray's got any of the free time... No, a problem. I'd love to do with you. I enjoy it. Yeah, that'd be really good. I think we'll never find the hidden gems, I don't think, without somebody who truly knows where they are, who's written about them and can make up stories about them. Even better. Well, that's all from the Tholton Wanderers this week. We just want to say thank you so much to Ray Kelly. It was just a wonderful afternoon up there at Tholty Wheel. We did mention his books. There are three volumes of the Manx Tholtons. Unfortunately, the first one is out of print, but he does have some copies of the second and third volume. So do let us know if you'd like to get your hands on one of those. Next week, we're going to be at another Tholton location. But if you've got any Tholtons that you think we should see, please do get in touch with us. You can email bethesby at manxradio.com or Howard Kane at manxradio.com. You can find our contact details on the Manx Radio website. If you head to the Facebook page, there are some wonderful photographs of the Tholton we visited at the weekend. So we look forward to being back with you next week. Mm-hmm.